We're in a series called um, Strong Life, and we've been talking about how to be strong in this life, a life of faith, a life of character. And we've talked about some big issues like faith, and today we're going to talk about another big issue, and we're going to talk about patience. Now, what's cool about this issue, this topic that I'm getting to preach today about God's, from God's Word on is that no matter where you're at, all of us probably need more patience. Now, you might be that person with the short fuse, or you might have a medium fuse, or maybe you're the, the biggest saint of God in the room together, you know, and, and you've got, you, you just would say, hey, I'm, I've kind of got this patience thing figured out. I bet every one of us in this room think, you know what? I can be more like God when it comes to how patient I am with others. So before we study God's Word this morning, and before I tell a few stories on myself of how I've blown it in the patience category, hey, would you take that outline in front of you, and hopefully you have a Bible, hopefully you have a pen, because I'm going to invite you to take some notes and maybe write down some whispers of God that He might be speaking to you, might be things that I don't even say, and that God whispers over you. I want to invite you to turn to the back of that outline, and I want you to write three words, three words. And I guess here's, here's the, here's the uh, description of that. Here's how I could guide you. When you think about your moments where you are not patient, why don't you just write down three words that would describe you? Think about who you are when you are not patient, when you're about to lose it, or when you do lose it. Describe yourself with three simple words. That kind of helps us at least to be reminded of what we act like and look like when we, when we lose it, you know. Um, my three words, I'll go ahead and tell you my three words because I did this myself. Self-centered. Whenever I lose it, it is all about me. Um, anxious. I'm usually pent up about something stressful. And then the other word that I wrote was idiot because I just don't, don't act right. I don't act like I'm your pastor in those moments, right? I can act like an idiot. So I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to be a person who is patient and is growing in my patience. I'm going to start off with a story that happened to me last night, all right? I'm preaching on patience today, all right? So last night, I go out to go preach. I'm sorry, to, to preach. I, don't, I went out to go fish. I went out to go fish with my son. I live on a little small lake, and um, I'm, I'm going to regret one day when I, when I don't live on a lake that, man, I didn't fish enough. And I said, let's go fishing. And so we went out there, and, and we, the boat wasn't ready, and then no, there were no plugs for the boat, and, and we worked for about an hour to get ready and got all the poles ready, and then we couldn't, you know... And so I said, listen, you just go out in the kayak, and I'm just going to stand here on the shore, and at least we'll get a little bit of fishing done. So he went out in the kayak. He's gone in the kayak. I'm, I'm standing on the shore, and I'm fishing. And by the way, from preparing the poles to getting the boat ready to cleaning out all the leaves out of the boat to washing the boat out, I've been, out, I've been at this for about an hour and a half, okay, before I throw the pole for the first cast. And I fish, and I fish. By the way, did you know you needed patience when you fish? Yeah, okay, so I'm just, so I didn't even know. I, I, you, you would think I was preaching about patience this morning. I'd be ready, right, mentally going, okay, God might test me here while I'm going fishing. So I'm throwing the pole out, and I'm not getting a thing. I'm not getting a thing. I'm not getting a thing. I'm fishing, and this is fishing. You fish, and you don't get a thing. You just keep casting the line. You keep fishing, and then uh, my phone rings. 
By the way, let me just speak to uh, the fishermen in the group for a minute. Um, Golfers say don't take your phone on the golf course. I think you shouldn't have to take your phone on a lake. Don't you agree? My phone rings, though, and it's my lovely wife. And, and she said, hey, babe, I'm trying to pay some bills. Now, she was doing the, it's the first of the month, right? She's online. She's doing the online banking thing. She's, I'm out fishing, and she's doing the good thing, right? And she said, hey, I, 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 something happened. I got logged. I got, I got kicked out of the, the online banking thing, and the bank's going to call you. No, she didn't tell me that. You didn't tell me that. Oh, she asked me the numbers. That's what it was. I told her the numbers, and I helped her get in, right? I did not know the bank was going to call me. But the bank was going to call me. And so I hang up the phone with her and boom, the fish hits, right? The fish hits. And and so I'm getting the fish in, you know, got me a pretty nice little size bass. I get get him out there. I'm like, all right. I pull him up on the shore. And about the time he gets out of the water and up on the shore, phone rings, right? I look down. I grab it. I grab it real quickly. Bank. The bank. It says bank on my phone. I know it's the bank. I'm like, I know what they need. I know they've seen Julie not be able to get in. And so I put the phone back in my pocket. I'm like, I'm not going to listen to the bank right now because the fish will die, right? And so I get my pair of pliers. I get the hook out of the fish's mouth, you know, and, and the bank leaves me a voicemail and I can hear my little voicemail thing go off. And then all of a sudden, my phone rings again. So I, I'm, I'm, I got the fish in hand now, but I'm thinking like any dad would, I'm going to hold on to him because I want to show Alex because <laughs> Alex is going to come back from the kayak and he ain't going to have a fish and I'm going to hold on to him. And and so, and the phone rings, and I look down, and it's my wife, Julie, and, 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 and I answer it this time, and I said, hold on just a second. I put a, I put a rope line through the fish's mouth, you know, and I at least put him back down in the water. I'm holding the end of the rope, and I said, hey, babe, and she said, the bank is going to call you. I said, the bank did call me, but I had a fish. I finally caught a fish, and she said, well, the bank's going to call you, and I need some codes, numbers to get into the thing here, so, and, and while she's talking, while she's saying it, I said, okay, well, well they're going to have to call back again and give me those codes, and the fish is pulling, the fish is pulling, and the fish, pull. He pulls out of my hand. I watch my rope swim off. My fish has a rope in his gill around his head, and he's gone. He's in my lake, and I kind of lost it. Now, I hope, I hope my wife would say that I was kinder than what I felt like. She's, <laughs> she's, shaking, she, she's shaking her head no. Um, I was upset. I was really upset. You fish all that time, you finally get a fish, and my, I watch my fish swim away. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know? And I, and, I, and, I, and I started praying a very shallow prayer, okay? I'd like to tell you that at that moment, I prayed very godly prayers. I just prayed, Lord, don't let me be a jerk right now, because I was, I was, I was close to being a jerk on the phone, and I just... What did I write down? Self-centered, anxious, and an idiot. That's what I am when I am, when I am impatient. And um, I hung up the phone. The bank called back. I reassessed, got the numbers, called my wife, tried to be cool. Tried to be really cool. I was cooling down. And all of a sudden, I felt like God uh, just kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, what you preaching about tomorrow? I was like, man, come on, God. About that time, my son comes up in the kayak, bigger fish than me. <laughs> you ever get that before? You're like, I caught one. I really did, but he swam away. You know, guys, we, we have moments in life. Now, you're going to have them this week. You came to church this week, 
And God's word that we're going to study today, we're going to study about how God is patient, and then we're going to study about how God wants us to be patient. The very fact that you're in church this morning probably means that you got a test coming your way this week, okay? One or two at least. So you're in church this morning, and, and I just want you to think for a minute about the kinds of patience or, or the kind of life situations that call for patience that we experience in life. So, so one of them I'll just call everyday moments, okay? Everyday moments that you and I have at work, at play, in our home. It might be um, with our children. It might be with our spouse. It might be like this little video up here earlier, sitting in traffic, waiting on the train to pass by, you know? Everyday moments of patience hit us every day. That's the way they work, right? And it all depends on how you have prepared for those everyday, frustrating, anxious-filled moments as to seeing how you're going to respond. So there are everyday moments. Now, then there are these other things. There are what I would call kind of life situational moments where we have to be patient. Patient. So, for example, um, if you lose a job or if you find out that your company's downsizing or they're going on a, on, on a, on a spending freeze and, you, you know, your salary, you, you can't have a pay raise for a while or you're not going to have a paycheck for a while, all of a sudden you go, wow, okay, what am I going to do now? And you have to be patient. There are lots of moments in your life where you've got to be patient waiting for God and God's power and His strength, and, 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 and you've got to endure in those moments. It might be a diagnosis. It might be a relational failure. There are lots of life situations that won't be there forever, but will be there sometimes for a season or multiple seasons that you need patience. You need to know what God says about how to be patient in those life situations. Now, so what are we talking about? There, there, there are everyday moments that are going to hit us every day. And then there are these life situational moments where we need that kind of mm, Duracell, Energizer, Bunny type patience. And then there's another type of situation. And I just want to address this because I've seen people in these kind of patient situations, needing these kind of patient, um, these kind of life situations where they need patience. And I stand in awe as I try to watch them have what, what the Bible would call enduring patience. And this is, for example, like, if you have a life situation with a special needs child, and you know that this is not for a season or seasons, this is for long, this is for my life, you know? And you might have a, a child with a disability, or you might have um, um, a situation in your life. You might, I, I, my very first church I ever pastored, a lady made an appointment with me, and she, she sat down with me, and she said, I want to tell you who I am, and she introduced herself, and then she, she, and she described herself. She said, my husband is the man who rides around town with the bicycle and the, and the radio on the front, and, and he's the town crazy guy. She said, that's my husband. She said, but I married him, and, and he wasn't like that when I married him, but he's lost his mind over all those years, and she said, you know, I, that's my husband, and she was telling me this was her life, and, and I sat there across the table from this lady, and I thought to myself, wow. Two things. I thought, what a covenant maker you are, that you're keeping the covenant that you established. And I thought, secondly, what patience you must need, what enduring patience, what perseverance you must need in that kind of life situation. There are a lot of life situations that, that you can be dealt the cards that won't change, okay? And for those kind of people, you need more than just everyday patience, and you need more than kind of that second wave of patience, that life situation patience. You need that, situa that, 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 that this is my life kind of patience, what the Bible calls enduring patience. So today with you, I want to study what, what God can teach us from the Word about patience together. Is that okay? 
So I hope you're ready to learn together. We're going to learn together about patience. So the first thing I want to think about is let's first of all figure out how God is patient. So the question I have in your outline there, if you take that out for a minute, is a simple question, but it is kind of very complex in its understanding when we start thinking about who God is. What does God's patience look like? The Bible says God is a patient God, but what does it look like? And, I, and I've chosen a scripture, and I could have chosen many scriptures where the Bible describes God's patience, but I chose one that has become kind of the hallmark for me when I think about God's patience because it says so much. Psalm 103, verse 8. So if you will with me so that we can kind of together kind of get involved in this, I want to invite you to read this out with me. Read it full voice, okay? We're going to read it together. You can just read it from the screen. Read it with me if you will. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. That's a picture of who God is. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute because that's a description of God. And we're just going to leave it there for a minute for you to kind of sink it in. Think about that word compassionate. That, that C-O-M on it means with, right? He is with passion. What it means is that he feels passionately. That we have a God who senses and feels passionately, okay? He feels deeply. He's fully engaged. And so when you and I are journeying through life, he's not like a flippant God. He's not like a God who's sitting back watching. He's a God who is fully engaged and he is compassionate. So when you're hurting and when you're joyful, when you're going through the the doldrums and, and when you're on the mountaintops, God feels that alongside you. He sees clearly and he feels what you feel. He's compassionate. But then it also says that our God is gracious. Now, I want you to think about that. He gives grace, which means he's merciful. You know, when we mess up, he's merciful. It means he's kind. He's not, he's not a mean God. He gives grace. He's a gracious God. It also means if you're a gracious parent, think about this. If you're a gracious parent, for example, that means you're, you're a kind parent, you're a merciful parent, but it also means you're an understanding parent. We have an understanding God. So when we're going through hard times, when we're at the end of our rope, or maybe when we're struggling and and we're holding on to our faith, He understands where we are. So Psalm 103 is saying that He he is compassionate, He feels deeply, He sees clearly, He understands, He's gracious to us, He's merciful, and He's kind to us. But here's the deal, it says He's slow to anger. Now this is a picture of God. It says that God, when it comes to us, is very slow in his anger. Now, I just want to pick up two things on that. First of all, I want to pick up this. You can make God angry, okay? You really can. I mean, if you push God far enough, you can make God angry. You can, you, if, you, if you just keep pushing him and pushing him and pushing him, God will get angry, okay? But the Bible says another thing. The Bible says he's slow to anger. That You want a description of who our God is? It takes a long time to get God really mad. You know, some people live life thinking that God's mad all the time. They don't understand the true God of the Bible. They don't understand the Bible says that God is slow to anger. And I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my God is slow to anger because otherwise he'd done wipe me off the planet. I know that. He'd have just clipped his fingers and I'd be gone. He is slow to anger. Let me just say one more thing about that. You know what that means about God? God's not trigger happy. 
He's not, he just not, he's not, he's not like a, you know, some people think of God as this God who's just waiting to throw down lightning bolts, you know, waiting to see you do something. That is not our God. Our God is a God who is slow to anger. He's not trigger happy. He's not wanting to, to hurt you. And then look at that last thing, abounding in love. It means he's, he is overflowing in his love to you. He doesn't have a short fuse. He's not trigger happy, and he's abounding in his love. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to hold on to who God is. We just learned who God is, right? God is this compassionate God that sees and feels deeply. He knows where we are. More than just a compassionate God, he's also a merciful and gracious God, so he understands and he's kind to us and he gives us grace in our moments of need. And then he's slow to anger. He's not trigger happy. He's not, he's not in a rush to hurt us. No, he's, slow, he's a slow to anger God and he abounds in love for us. And then here's the question. Is that a description of Stephen? You see, the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to be growing to be like him. And I just got a description of him. And so I just want to paint out the picture real quickly. You know who I'm supposed to be? I'm supposed to be a person who sees and feels deeply around the people that I'm, that I'm with all the time. I'm not supposed to be a person who doesn't care about them. I'm apathetic towards them and only cares about me, which you remember what I wrote down on my paper, first word, when I, get all, when I get all impatient? I am self-centered. That's not who God is. God is a person who is seeing and feeling deeply about other people. That's who I'm supposed to be. And I am supposed to be like him, a gracious person. That means I'm kind. It means I'm understanding and I'm caring and I'm giving grace. When somebody messes up, I give them grace. I give him grace. You know why? Because God gave me grace. And then it says, how about this one? Listen, listen, those of you who have those short fuses. Uh, listen, short fuses hurt people, literally. On firecrackers, short fuses hurt people, and they also hurt people in your own patience level. Those of us who have short fuses, listen to this. We are supposed to be like God. We're supposed to be slow to anger. Can I just run a real quick rabbit trail? Sometimes God just gives me insights while I'm preaching, and I just, and I hope this is okay, because normally I don't point anybody out, but I just want to point out something real quickly. Earlier this week, when I was praying about, I pray for, I pray for you. I don't even know if you know that. I pray for people who I just think, man, God, when, I, when, I, when God brings somebody to mind, I'm writing a sermon, and God brings somebody, I pray for them. And this past week, I was, I was thinking about people in that third situation, that third place of patience where this is they, what they do. Every day they, they have to have incredible levels of patience because they deal with a disease or they deal with special needs children. And Donna Foster came to my mind, my mind because Donna's a teacher. And Donna's children aren't special needs people, but every day Donna walks into an environment to take care and minister to other people's children who are special needs. And I was praying for Donna and I was thinking about the unique level, the coding, the the durability of her patience and what she needs. And now this morning, listen, this morning I'm sitting here and her husband's sitting right next to her, David Foster, who is one of the leaders here in our county of our police force. We're watching all the news right now, right? So what's going, ridiculous stuff happening in different cities all around the nation, but especially Baltimore, right? And I'm just sitting here thinking, David, don't you want every person on your police force, wouldn't you want to know that they are slow to anger? I mean, my goodness. If David could be assured that every person on his police force, when they were pushed and they were pushed, they were doing the right thing, but that they were slow 
to anger. Don't you know that would be a phenomenal police force that tried to continually have deep character? I just want to remind myself and I want to remind you, this is who we're called to be, guys. People who are slow to anger. Have you ever met a person who is fast to anger? <laughs> you mean just... I've met people who were just like, oh, they, you, you just didn't even want to be around them. And you know what I also heard often from their lips? They excused it. They said, well, this is just the way I am. I've heard people say stuff like, well, I'm Irish. I'm Irish. So I can be, I just, I'm just wired this way. You know, I, I've heard people say stuff like, uh, well, I was raised this way. If you, I was, my dad was military. You know, and, I, this is, uh, and, and here's what I want to tell you. I think to myself while they're talking, fool. Fool. The Bible calls people fools. The Bible calls people, you're a fool if you excuse yourself for having a short fuse because you're just hurting people. You're just hurting people. And you do, more importantly, you're not going to grow to become like God if you excuse yourself to be able just to blow up, to just be able to explode on top of people and say, okay, I'm, this, is, this is just me. You don't know what I've been through. You know what? Forget what you've been through. We've been called to be slow in anger because that's who our God is. And just one last thing, abounding in love. That's who I'm supposed to be. That's who, that's who you're supposed to be. So when you're at that moment and you're getting frustrated or you're impatient, you're still supposed to be abounding in love. Yesterday, I'm standing in a department store, and the young lady's having a hard time picking, picking up the buttons, you know, and I'm standing there, whoo, waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm patient at first, and then my clock starts to run, you know, and, and she's, da, 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 da. And, and what happens is when you're impatient, you start to think more about little stupid, silly things like, when am I going to get out of here, and I got to get to the next thing, and da, da, da. you're not thinking about who this young lady is and what her life is like, and you're not abounding in love in that moment. You hear me? God convicted me in my spirit. I am to be a person like he is. The Bible says he is abounding in love. So what does it mean if I'm not that or if I'm not where I want to be yet? It means that I need to grow, okay? And you don't grow by accident, and you don't grow just by saying, oh, I'm just going to wake up tomorrow morning and live however I live. You grow through intentionality. you got to get busy doing something. That's how you grow, okay? So let's talk about now what does the Bible teach us about how we can grow and have more patience? You see that question? What does the Bible say about you and me and how we can grow in patience? Now, this morning, I'm going to kind of zero in on one scripture, even though the Bible teaches many scriptures about how we can be patient, because if you can get this one concept, it's a concept, okay? It's kind of a mental, spiritual heart concept. If you can get this, you can apply it tomorrow morning and throughout the day. You get this concept, and you will grow in patience. Just this one scripture, and it's found in Colossians 3. So I invite you to turn there with me in your Bibles, because I don't have it all in your outline. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Or maybe you want to turn there in your technology device, whatever it is. Colossians 3, verse 1. I'm going to turn there with you, and we're just going to kind of read together for a few minutes about how we can grow in patience. Because the truth of the matter is, when it comes to this patience thing, it gets more, it's a lot more complicated than just sitting back and going, God, give me patience. No, you have to do something, okay? So the Bible says, um, verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. Now, the first thing to ask in any, question, in any piece like this is, who is Paul writing to, okay? Who is it? Since then we have been raised with Christ. Who do you think his audience is? Help me out. Yell it out. Who is it? I can't hear you. These are people of the church. These are Christians, okay? 
He's not talking about unsaved people. He's not talking about pagans. He's not talking about people who, who, are, who are not Christians. He's, he's talking to people who are Christ followers, okay? He says, since you've been raised with Christ, you need to set your mind and your heart on things above. Now, then listen to what he's going to say, because he's going to help us understand a, a, a neat concept. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Now listen to this. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He, he lists a few things, which is the way you used to be. This is your old nature. When you were not with Christ, you, you had lust in your heart. You had evil intentions. You, you, had, um, you had greed and evil desires and impurity. That was who you were. He said, because of these, the wrath or the anger of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must, get, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, he lists a few other ones. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on your new self. And so you've, you've taken off your old self. Listen for the concept. You've taken off your old self and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of your creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Let me just pause there for a minute. Okay, so metaphorically, I'm going to help you get this today, okay? Because it's a spiritual, mental, heart concept. You want to be more patient, I want you to get what Paul's saying. He's writing to these people who are Christ followers, and he's saying, listen, you used to have all this bad, evil desires, all this old nature in you, but now you've been raised up with Christ, so you need to put all that old junk off. You need to get rid of it, all right? You need to literally kind of like go into your, you know, your spiritual house, clean out all your junk, and say, I, that's not me anymore. I don't do those things. I'm not a person of lust. I'm not a person of rage. I'm not a person of slander. I'm not a person of anger. I'm not a person of greed. I'm getting rid of those things, and I'm putting on something new. So metaphorically, I'm gonna, I want you to track with me real quickly. I brought me some uh, kind of images, some pictures of, uh, of how you can get this. Many of you may not know that in my very first church, I pastored a traditional church, and I wore, I wore robes. <laughs> How about that? And so uh, this was a robe that I wore every Sunday. I got right after my grad school, and um, in a traditional church, many pastors oftentimes wear robes. So I thought I'd wear a robe this morning. Now, this, this robe, I want it to be kind of a, an envisionment of the old self when you weren't a Christ follower, Okay. Covered in darkness, covered in all the other stuff that was the bad stuff, right? This was who we were. And Paul's saying, listen, when you were raised in Christ, you were meant to shed off the darkness, get rid of the dark junk. You're supposed to get that stuff off of you, and you were to put on something new. Now, the idea here is that you, you have to be intentional, okay? Let me say it differently. This robe... Ain't going to fall off of me by itself, is it? Ah, is it? All right? See, what I have to do is if I'm going to get this robe off me, what I got to do? Take it off. And that, by the way, that's what Paul said. Paul said, you've got to get rid of it. You've got to take off your old nature, and you've got to put on your new nature in Christ. So what he was saying was, you, I have got to literally take 
this, th- this stuff out of my life. I've got to shed it. I've got to get rid of it. I've got to cast it off of me and put on a new nature, all right? So he said, get rid of it. He said, get rid of it. And then he said, part of the whole get rid of thing is, is you don't just get rid of it. You don't, just, you don't just take it off. What you then do is you put on something else. I got this one because I was going to baptize my daughter, and I thought, how cool is that, right? Uh, I baptized Abby when she was a little baby, and I thought, man, I baptized her in this white robe. First time I ever wore this robe, right? Okay, so cool. You don't care about that. Um, so what do you put on? So you put on the new nature, right? You put on the new nature of Christ, which is totally different because we just got through studying that. The old nature's anger. We figured out God's slow to anger. The old nature's rage and greed, right? That's not who God is. The old nature is slander. The old nature is filthy language. The old nature is all that junk, lust, all that stuff. And the new nature is something that's... By the way, here's what you're trying to learn here. Follow me. How did this robe get on me? I put it on. I took something off. You might want to write the word, be intentional. I took something off. I intentionally took darkness off. And I intentionally put on something. Stephen, are you telling me this week, if I'm tested, I need to be ready and be, have the nature of Christ? That's like, if, you're, if you're hearing me, that's what I'm telling you. When you're tested this week, you want to be wearing the new nature of Christ. You don't want to be wearing your old nature. You hearing me? You want to be wearing the new nature of Christ and say, you know what? <laughs> I'm slow to anger. That's who I am. I abound in love. I'm compassionate. That's who I am. This is me. This is the new me. It's the Jesus me. You get that picture? It's intentional. You be intentional. Now, let me just pause here for a minute before I kind of change the metaphor. One of the cool things about the, the Christian message, we call, it's called the good news. Did you know that? Since the very beginning of the gospel, the gospel has literally means good news. And I think a lot of people think of Christianity as this thing like it's fire insurance or something. You know, oh, you believe in Jesus and you won't go to hell and, and, uh, and, and, and you, can be, you live forever. Yes, it's that, but it's so much more than that. Here's the good news of Christianity. Christianity is more than just about salvation and being saved. Christianity is about true change of who you are. You becoming like God. You becoming in the image of Jesus, you're, you, he's, he's who your goal is. So let me tell you, one of the joys, one of the beauties, one of the glories of Christianity, one of the greatest news is that Christianity has to share is there is authentic change offered. Authentic change offered from your old nature. I meet people all the time. I was, having, I was sitting in a coffee shop this week with a guy who, who, who struggles with one addiction related with tobacco, okay? That's his deal. And he's having a hard time. How do, you, how do you shake that? How do you shake that, Pastor? We're sitting there talking about how do you shake that old nature? How do you shake it? And, and, and you know what? Here's the good news I could share with him. Is that, you know what? Jesus cares about that. He feels that. He knows that. He can help you change. That's the good news of Christianity, that it's not just about salvation. It's about change in the core of who you are, a new spirit, a new, a new life, a new nature. That's the heart of what Christianity is all about. Now, I want to change this for a minute, okay? I'm going to change my metaphor for a minute. I'm going to leave this. By the way, you got to put something on. 
before you do that, you got to take something off. Real quickly, write in your points there. Maybe you've already done it. You put off, you take off, you take off your old nature, and then you clothe yourself. Now, we're going to get to that one in just a minute. But before I get there, just real quick, I want to read with you. I want to read with you a, um, uh, uh, I, I, want to, I want to show you something, and then I'm going to read a scripture with you. I brought this one as a metaphor. Now... What baseball team is this? Yankees. Now, I asked somebody. <laughs> I see you, George. Thumbs down. Um, um, okay, this is the Yankees. And I asked somebody for, I, I, I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not a Yankees fan. But, um, but, but I asked somebody for a jersey. Now, if I could have got the jersey I wanted, it would have been the white one, you know, with the pinstripes down it. But because, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to wear those for a minute, and I wanted you to kind of get another concept I'm trying to teach this morning. There are these, there's this baseball team called the Yankees, and they have these, well, I guess they, they have the most prideful uniforms of all, they think, you know, whether it's the white pinstripes or whether it's these, you know, they've got, they're very proud of their uniform. Now, what's made them proud of their, their uniform is not just their uniform, it's actually who's played in that uniform before. So I don't know if you've ever seen it. When they ever draft a new player, when, you know, when, they, when they draft Derek Jeter, when they draft anybody in, one of the first things they do after they draft them is they take a, a Yankees jersey and they invite them to put it on, okay? And that player will oftentimes, because who's worn that jersey? Mickey Mantle, uh, you know, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, some big names, uh, Joe DiMaggio, big people have worn that jersey. Oftentimes when they, they put on that jersey, they'll, they'll, fall, they'll fall apart. They'll start crying. I mean, they're like, oh, this is kind of a sacred thing, you know? And they're like, wow. And they realize they're, they're in the company. They got to represent, you know. Now I'm wearing a jersey that some great, great people have worn. And I decided to pull this out because, listen, guys, that new nature, that white robe that I just had on, one of the things we need to remember is when we put on that new nature, we are representing something very big. It's not just about us. There are Christ followers who've gone on before us that we, we need to represent now. You know, we're the Christ followers God put on the planet now. And so we need to represent in those moments. You know, you don't, you don't excuse yourself and say, well, that's, you know, no, you realize, you know what? I, I'm a part of an incredible team that's been serving Jesus for a long, long time and that needs to represent well. Now, a couple of other metaphors real quickly. So I just real quickly want to take this shirt off. And so when I was a young Christian, I was reading in Colossians, and I ran across Colossians 3, verse 12. Now, so read, read with me Colossians 3, verse 12 real quickly. Colossians 3, 12, uh, it says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, again, he's talking to the church, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, there's that intentionality, you've got to do something, right? Clothe yourselves with, and then he says uh, five words, compassion, well, there, there's that word, Is we heard that word about who God is. Clothe yourself with that deep feeling, I'm, I'm going to feel deeply today, I'm going to feel where people are, not just about my compassion, I'm going to fill with them. Kindness. Do you remember we studied about God? That God was gracious. He was kind and understanding. You remember that? Paul says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I was a young, young, young Christian. And, and I, I got to tell you, I was struggling with, with some of this, this old nature stuff, okay? 
I, I mean, I was a, I, I don't need to tell you about who my old nature was, but I was an angry young man. Just understand that. And I'd rather fight you before, I, before we even had to talk, okay? And I had a lot of anger, a lot of pent-up anger. And I was struggling, and I ran across this. And it was paradigm shifting for me. And I was like, I took it serious, right? He says, clothe, put it back up there. Clothe yourself, right? Clothe, let's leave that scripture up there. Clothe yourself. And I took it, I read that, and I was like, Okay, I'm going to take God seriously. So every morning I got up, I'd get out of, the, I'd get out of my bath, I'd walk to my bedroom, I'd open, I'd, I, had, I had me a little card with that scripture right there written on it, and I would get dressed. And as I put on my clothing, I would pray that those words would be in me. So I'd start putting on my shirt, and I would just start praying, God, give me compassion today. God, help me not be so angry and not just be about me, God. I'd start praying that. And then I'd, after I put on my shirt, I'd put on my pants, I put on my socks and everyone, I just, I start praying about, God, make me kind today. Make me humble today. Make me patient today. I kind of brought this blue shirt today. It's kind of like an everyday shirt, okay? Let's just call this the blue shirt for our everyday patience moments. What if you got up tomorrow morning and what if you prayed that prayer? God, today, I'm taking off the old junk. I'm putting on my everyday shirt. I'm going to ask you to clothe me with compassion today, God. I know I'm going to be tested. I might be tested by my family. I might be tested by my boss. But God, today, clothe me with compassion. Clothe me with kindness. Clothe, clothe me with humility. Clothe me with gentleness. Clothe me with patience. You see, in those everyday moments, guys, listen, here's the power of the gospel. You want to go stronger in patience, you've got to do something about it. Your old nature ain't going to fall off by itself. you got to get up and say, you know what? My life, I've been called to be like God. I am getting rid of lust. I'm getting rid of rage. I'm getting rid of anger. I'm getting rid of malice. I'm getting rid of slander. I'm get, I will not talk filthy anymore. Filthy language, you won't hear it from me. It's not my nature anymore. My nature has changed. And you put aside those things. You cast those things off. You say, There's no more. And then you put on a new nature. You say, Jesus, give me your compassion. Give me. Now, let me tell you, one of the reasons I love this concept, this heart concept, is because, I don't know about you, but see, I have to clothe myself every day, okay? Do you clothe yourself every day? I hope you do, okay? I have to clothe myself every day. And it means being very, very intentional. And some days we are more intentional than other days, right? And when you feel yourself growing short on compassion, growing short on humility, growing short on kindness, growing short on gentleness, growing short on patience, you need to clothe yourself. I mean, walk to your closet and say, you know what? I'm going to put on a new nature today. I'm going to put on my everyday shirt, and I am going to let the, the character of Christ be my new nature. Now, there are some moments in life, and I've already told you about them, where an everyday shirt ain't going to quite cut it. Okay? There's some moments in life when you go through hard moments and you can either call those those seasonal moments. This is the shirt we put on every day. But I brought my uh, ski jacket that has seen a lot of action. <laughs> this ski jacket, I don't know how old it is and I don't know who makes it, but boy, it has stood the test. And there's some moments in life where your everyday shirt ain't going to quite be enough. Some of you in this very room, you got special needs children. 
This is your deal. You know the person sitting right down the road, row from you? They may never, ever in their life need the kind of patience you need. But you know what the Bible says? That God can offer you an enduring patience. He's God, right? He's the God of all things. And the Bible says he loves to give good gifts to his children. So I don't know what your situation is, but there are some of us in this room. It might be that you live with a person who's an alcoholic. It might be that you live with a person who has some disease and, and you're just so mad at God because you're going, God, why do you let this disease be here? It might be that you've got something going on with your work and you just know it ain't going to change. You know it ain't going to change. And you get up in the morning, you need to be thinking about this ski jacket. You need to be thinking about something that is enduring patience. God, give me something more than everyday patience. And you need to clothe yourself with something a little bit bigger. Let's get real practical for a minute, okay? And then I'm going to drive home, okay? Stephen, how do I clothe myself? Well, you can clothe yourself a whole bunch of different ways. If you got your pen, I don't have these in your outline. You might just want to take a few. This is, let's just make it real practical, real applicable for the next few minutes, okay? One of the ways that you clothe yourself that I've told you about time and time again is what I call 15 minutes, a chair, and a Bible. Now, that's one of the ways you clothe yourself. And, and I hope that some of you guys have taken me real serious about getting a chair, finding a spot, finding 15 minutes in a Bible, because that's one of the most practical things I can tell you, to sit down for a few minutes, stop all of life, say everything else will get done, I'll get it. Here's my 15 minutes, my chair, and my book. It's the absolute most practicable, practical, applicable thing I could tell you about clothing yourself. And so I encourage you to do this every day. 15 minutes, a chair, and the Bible. And you see if God doesn't help you every day put a new nature on and take off an old nature. Well, that's one way. Here's another way. Another way is what are you feeding yourself while you drive down the road? Are you feeding yourself good music? Are you feeding yourself garbage? Are you listening to WSB News all morning long? Or do you have it on a CD, a worship CD, or, or a Christian radio station or something? What are you feeding yourself? Because you have the choice of what you're doing in those moments, whether you're putting garbage in or you're, or you're, or you're, you're putting good stuff in. And you know the rule, right? Garbage in, garbage out. So if you put garbage into you, you're going to get garbage out of you. And here's another one. Just, I've only got three for you this morning because I've got to move on. Here's another one. When it comes to patience... There's a word that I try to hold on to, and that word is perspective. What I'd invite you to write down is choose your perspective. Choose your perspective. So in those moments when you're standing in a line, for example, let's just say you're at Walmart, and you go up, and, and there's this long line, and, the per and it looks like every line has a person with a shopping cart with a thousand items in it, okay? And you're standing right behind them, and you've got places to pee, people to see, and things to do, right? And there you are and you, in those moments. And here's what I've learned. I learned this from John Ortberg years ago, great Christian teacher, guy who wrote, if you want to something, walk on water, get out of the boat or something like that. Um, John Ortberg, one of, my, one of my heroes of Christian teaching, John Ortberg said, now he's a little bit, 
He's a little bit bigger of a Christian, I think, than I am. He said whenever he's at Walmart, he chooses the long line. I'm like, come on. Are you serious? But I don't go there. But um, anyway, so, but I do know what it's like to pick, the, to, to pick up the long line because I have to pick the long line. And then John Ortberg said this. In that moment, you, when you step into that long line, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Now, you can think about all the things you're going to get upset about. You can think about what the cash register is doing. You can think about the items. You can count the items. You can think about where you've got to go. You can, you, the choice is yours. You can, choose, you can choose to focus on all the junk, or you can choose your, your perspective a different way. And in that moment, what if you begin to do other things? So John Ortberg said what he does is when he walks up to that line, and he's so frustrated, and he's about to get angry, and he can't do anything about it, he starts to pray specifically for his family. And so what he does is he starts just praying by name for the different family members. I, when I first started doing this, I was like, man, this works. <laughs> I mean, it's like, really? And so I would be there, and I would start to get frustrated. I'd start to do what I normally do, but I'd start to pray, God bless Julie where she's at right now. I just pray you'd bless her. And I just... I pray for Abby. God, I just pray that you'd grow her to be a strong woman of God. And I, I just start praying for her. And I start lifting up Andrew. I start lifting up Alex. I start, I just pray over our family. I pray beyond my family. Into the, I pray for you. I pray for my church. And all of a sudden, before you realize it, I mean, you get to choose your perspective. And this is one of the things about patience. In those moments when you're tested, Something happens in your work or something happens in your home. You get to choose your perspective. So in that moment, will you pray? In that moment, will you think right and good thoughts? Or will you run the course of bad thoughts and trivial thoughts? What will you do in those moments? So where are we, where are we headed with this? I want to be a strong, patient dad. I do. I bet every dad in this place today, you'd say, that's who I want to be too. Sometimes I don't quite make the mark. And I bet some, some of you ladies in here, by the way, Mother's Day, right? Next week, right? Is that right? Next week, Mother's Day. Yeah, you better go buy some presents. Um, those of you for your moms. Mother's Day. I bet every mom and every grandmother in this place wants to be incre- incredibly compassionate, incredibly kind, gentle, good, and patient. And if you don't make the mark, what is that telling us? It's telling us very, something very simple today, according to the scriptural teaching. All we really need to do is spend more time intentionally putting on the nature of Christ. That's what we need. Now, why do we do that? Just a couple of final scriptures today that I want to share. The Bible says in Romans 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems. Are you serious, Stephen? When I'm waiting at the checkout counter, when things don't go my way at work, the Bible says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. So when you're tested this week, the Bible says you're actually supposed to rejoice. (laughs) I get to do it now. Here we go. Lord, I'm praying for Julie. I'm praying for Andrew. You know, and move into that place. Because the Bible says if you will choose joy when you're tested and you will be patient, God is developing that nature in you. Endurance, perseverance, patience. And then one last scripture I just had to share. I couldn't get out of here today before I shared it. James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. 
Whenever you face trials of many kinds, that's everyday trials, and that's your life situation trials, and that's those of you who need these substantial winter coat trials because you live, that's, this is your life. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God is changing us, but in those tests, he wants us to grow. I don't know about you, but I want to get stronger in patience. And this week, we're going to get a chance, okay? I invite you tomorrow morning, don't get to work yet. Don't, don't get to wherever you're going. Don't, don't arrive at midday by not starting the day with a chair and 15 minutes in the Bible. And maybe you'd make Colossians 3 your passage of the day. Just turn there and say, Jesus, I'm going to take off my old nature this morning. I'm going to put on my new nature. You clothe me. Lord, make us compassionate, deep-feeling people. Lord, make us gracious, kind, good. Lord, make us slow to anger. Lord, make us slow to anger. Lord, make us slow to anger. And make me abounding in love. May everybody I meet today know that I care and help me to love deeply. Would you pray with me? Lord, this week we're going to put on some new clothes and we're going to take off some old rags. I pray specifically for those of us to tomorrow who are going to put on the blue shirt. We're going to go and put on the blue shirt and we're going to represent. And I just pray that you would give us that new nature. And Lord, I pray also for the folks who are going to put on the ski jacket for what they're living in. They need it, Lord. They need enduring patience. They need enduring perseverance. So God, would you clothe them with your patience? Would you give them what they need? And Lord, I pray in it all that we go through the test, that we go through the trial, that we will see it as what it is. We will see it and we will count it as joy, the Bible says. We will count it as joy to go through the test. And that in the test, God, you would grow us. You'd make us more persevering, more patient. You'd make us enduring marathon runners when it comes to this thing called patience. Do it, God, in us. Make us strong. I pray this in your name, Jesus.